we jump in today, I just want to go back and recap part one. Uh, you may or may not have seen part one, but uh, part one of the series just talk about the current real estate uh, market conditions, right? Historically high inflation, much higher mortgage rates here at the end of 2022 than we saw at the beginning of 2022. Um, the Interestingly, the, the Fed just increased the interest rate another half point uh, a couple of days ago. So we'll be seeing those mortgage rates go back up to right around 30 year fixed rates, right around 7% here very shortly. Uh, they have not already done so. Uh, we're seeing a decrease in property values, right? We had uh, kind of an overinflated market after the end of the pandemic, right? Lots of uh, lots of buyers, but no inventory, which created it kind of overinflated the prices. Uh, you know, people were uh, sellers were putting their properties on the market, at least at least here in our St. Louis area, uh, and they were getting ten offers in two hours and three or four of the offers would be 25, 50,000. Even I saw a couple of times, $100,000 above the asking price. Um, so you can see that crazy market uh, overinflated. So the values we are now coming down um, here in the St. Louis market, as I mentioned in, the, in part one, we've seen a decrease of about 10% just in the last six months, just in Q3, Q4 of 2022. Um, now, again, the values were historically high coming into that. So a 10% decrease off the historically high values means there's still a year over year increase in total property value, but it's just, uh, obviously we're, we're seeing the market come down now. The question is, is how, how much will it correct? How low will it go? I, obviously we want to avoid the, uh, the crash we saw in 2008, 2009, I guess, well, time will tell, right? Um, again, rental rates from part one, so no, uh, real quick, rental rates looking strong two to three years. The um, national average for a rental amount, monthly rental amount, just went over $2,000 a month. Again, um, if you looked at the data from part one, you could see that it had dipped below $2,000, but now it has gone up. Uh, the latest data has gone back above $2,000 a month. The average rental property across the United States is costing $2,000 a month. I remember back in the days when I get my first apartment through two bedroom, one bath apartment for 350 bucks. Uh, seems like a lifetime ago, right? but I guess that's where we are today. Um, distressed props, talk a little bit more about that uh, coming up here as well. So all that packaged together just means it's a great time to uh, have creative financing strategies in your toolbox. So I thought it would be good, right, to kind of take a step back and reset things just for a second. Um, so this slide I affectionately titled, what the hell are creative financing strategies? <laughs> so I, I just, again, wanna reset that, right? This is the the end term now, right? Especially sub two, sub two is another, another end term right now. Well, what does that really mean? So when we talk about that, or when I talk about that, the short answer is creative financing is really just any method of buying or selling real estate that does not involve traditional institutional financing, right? The typical bank loan. In other words, you're figuring out a way to purchase that property, but you're not going to the bank to get a 30 year fixed note in your name, right? So just really generically, that's just what we mean by creative financing strategies. 
okay? Just globally. Other people have different definitions, but we're going to keep it simple. One of my goals in the, the series here, or whenever we uh, we do things, is to, to keep it simple. So that's about as simple as it gets there. Just a way to acquire or sell, right? Dispose of properties without their traditional bank financing. Um, just as a note, we're going to touch base in this uh, really quick video here, just a few minutes, we're going to touch base about the most common cre creative financing strategies and sources, right? I just want to make a little differentiation there. Cre creative financing strategies and sources of the creative financing, okay? Usually that's all lumped together and it's kind of just all one big thing called creative financing. Um, but I just want to differentiate that a little bit here today just to, to kind of clear, uh, maybe clear some things up in some people's minds. Again, this is kind of a reset. Many of you watching, many of you subscribe to our YouTube channel and then seen our content, you're probably more advanced than this. But again, I just wanted to take a moment to kind of get on the same playing field and, and reset things, especially as we move into uh, what's looking to be a great opportunity in 2023 for the creative financing strategies. Okay. So some common creative financing strategies we're going to talk about right now. I purposely use the term strategies here. So I just want to run through the few and I just want to make a note. This is not an exhaustive list of everything. It's just some of the most common things, uh, things we've done, right? Or we've done to acquire property and or dispose of property uh, or kind of the end terms now, so to speak. So I just wanted to take a moment to go over there. I don't have a slide for each one. I'm just going to talk about each one here uh, just for a minute. Just again, just to try to kind of get on the same baseline of what we mean with these things. Okay. So first thing, right, is seller finance, seller carryback, right? Also called owner financing, right? Not to be confused with all these other terms. So what does that really mean? It means that you're going to create a private loan. So let's say you're going to acquire property with seller financing. You are going to create a private loan, a promissory note, a deed of trust, or, or an actual mortgage, right? Not, not to confuse you with the differences between a deed of trust and a mortgage, but we're going to create a financial agreement with that seller. Right, me as the buyer, my LLC is the buyer, and the seller. We're going to create our own financing and put it in place, and then we're going to make payments to that seller. The seller now becomes the traditional bank in that circumstance. Right? Um, there's also a contract for deed, land contract. Uh, the new in term is executory uh, contract. Right? This just means that um, it's very similar except you don't get title to the property until the final payment's made. In other words, the terms of the land contract or agreement for deed uh, or contract for deed, until those terms are met, you don't get full legal title, right? You have an equitable title interest, but you don't have the full legal title interest. Whereas if you do the seller financing and you create a promissory note uh, or a mortgage, right? You do have full title, full legal title right from the beginning there. So just a little difference. Uh, just a little nuances there. Um, there are reasons to use ones over the others. Perhaps your state's more friendly to one than another. That might be a, a very good reason. Just wanted to point those out there. But very similar, right? Very similar in structure. Like you could have the same terms in a promissory note that you do in a land contract. You know, the interest rates and payments and uh, payment amounts and all that stuff. Okay, but it's you know just a little different in how execute it. Sub two, subject to the new catchphrase, right? But of course we love sub two, it's called sub2empire.com for a reason, right? 
love step two. This is taking over the payments on an existing mortgage for a seller, taking over the payments. You're not assuming the loan, right? It's not a loan assumption, but you are taking responsibility for the payments. Okay. So you're going to do that, right? That's a, a great acquisition strategy. We'll talk more about that in a second. Subject two. Right, rat mortgage. This is more of a disposition strategy, um, although it could theoretically uh, be an acquisition strategy as well. But so rat mortgage. So let's say you take a property subject to using the uh, the above strategy, and then you have another end buyer in place if you want to provide seller financing to that buyer. Actually, talk about that in an example here in a second. Um, and so what you're going to do is you're going to do a rat mortgage. Right, uh, you're going to put. Uh, your own terms and conditions over and above and subject to, right, the existing loan that's in place, okay? So really, you're creating a private loan now that's wrapped around probably what is initially a bank, like a traditional bank loan. Private loan over the top of a bank loan It's typically how that happens, okay? Lease purchase, let's put that on there too. So, uh, right, you maybe enter into a lease agreement, and then you also have a purchase piece of that. And probably that purchase piece is, is looks like a, a land contract, right? It's an agreement for deed. In other words, the title doesn't transfer until it's all paid off in there. You can also do, right, lease with options, which is the next one. I just put options generically. It could be a lease with an option. In other words, you actually just do an option agreement and the you, a lease with an option. And so then your tenant, which will ultimately hopefully become your buyer, has to actually execute the option to purchase, and then you agree to whatever those purchase terms are if it's not already stated in the option. Okay, it's a little different than a lease with purchase. A lease with a purchase, you're already figuring out the purchase conditions up front, uh, right? And you're embedding that in there, probably in an agreement for deed. But now, uh, as an option, right, you can figure out those terms later if you want to. Um, and also, you can just put an option on a piece of property for you to buy later. Sure, it's a great way to lock up a piece of property, um, uh, potentially. Uh, so I just put options in there. It's a great creative financing uh, strategy. It's a creative strategy, right, to tie up a piece of property for you. Maybe gives you some time to figure out how to exit from that property. And then I just note hybrid and combinations, right? So uh, again, maybe you have a, a lease with an option. You have sub two with rat mortgage or all that just all kinds of different ways to combine some of those things. So hybrid and combinations. And again, it's not an all-inclusive list. Right? Um, if you look, if you just you know do the Google search of creative financing strategies, you might see some, some people come up with 20, 25 plus different strategies. Not going all of it, just depends on how specific you want to be with, with different things. But a lot of you know, these are just the high-level ones today. So those are strategies. So in order to, to obtain a property with seller financing, right, you need to know how to create that note and that deed of trust, right? That's kind of a piece that goes along with that seller financing is to know how to do that. So that's why I group all these into as a strategy because it has documents in there. Like, for instance, you're creating your own note and agreement. You're creating your own economy, so to speak, which is why we love all that, not relying on the their traditional, their traditional institutions to do that for you. Okay, so it's a strategy, right? It's a way to do things, and, and it does require some knowledge and some 
execution of documents, right? To do that properly, especially with sub two, you know, so on your purchase agreement, it's subject to, right? You want to close and make sure the title company knows it's all subject to uh, do that. So there are some, you know, there are some things to know and understand uh, with each of those strategies. Okay, now we're going to shift just a notch, right? And we're going to talk about creative financing sources, right? I'm going to differentiate that a strategy from a source. I mean, it's all kind of lumped together in the same thing, but I just wanted to note that um, a little separately today. So again, I don't have slides for each one of these. I'm just going to real quick through them. So you need to acquire property, right? Maybe you want to uh, acquire seller finance, but the seller wants a $25,000 down payment, right? So where, so it's a really good deal. You want to figure out how you're going to get that, that $25,000 down. So this is a source where you're going to get that $25,000, your creative source, right? You're not going to go necessarily to get that 30 year fixed mortgage. No one will give you a $25,000 30 year fixed mortgage anyway, but uh, you get the idea there. Okay. So it's private money. What does private money mean? Again, it's just acquiring money through any other means than the traditional financial financial institutions, right? So a lot of these things, right, that you that you could see up here could be, you know, types of private money like hard money. Many times it's like a subset of private money. It's coming from private individuals that hard money. Not all the time, but many many hard money lenders, right, are just private individuals or LLCs that give you those terms and conditions, right? So just private money. Uh, hard money. Okay. What's the difference between private money and hard money? Well, usually private money has a lower interest rate, like you, and you can get that for uh, a period of time. Hard money is usually a quick in and out type of thing. It has a much higher interest rate, like uh, twelve month financing on a fix and flip deal, something like that. You know, it might be an interest only deal, but it comes with uh, like high fees and a high interest rate. But it still might be fine because the margins on the deal are so great, it doesn't really matter. But that's you know, hard money, private money, you might be able to, to get um, a line of credit, right? Now, this might be through a, a, a traditional bank institution, but it's not a traditional 30-year fixed note. So I'm going to lump that in here, right? You might get a home equity line of credit, right? Maybe your primary residence has $50,000 that you can take out in, a, in an equity line and then use that to fund other deals. Right. So then you can use that to pay that twenty five thousand dollars down that the seller wants to do seller financing to you. Right. Maybe you can just do a personal line of credit. Actually, um, I didn't note on there, but a business line of credit as well. Like ultimately, you want to get your uh, your LLC's uh, lines of credit, not in your personal name. Right. So lines of credit is up there. Self-directed IRAs. Right. This is a special form of private money that I want to talk about just for a second. Like, uh, we've used our self-directed IRA to fund several deals for investors, right? Just to give them capital, whether it's uh, maybe money to finish the rehab, whether it's money to acquire it, that $25,000 down to acquire it, whatever it comes from a self-directed IRA. Um, so if you don't know what a self-directed IRA is, I suggest you uh, look that up. It's a great, uh, great vehicle, especially a Roth IRA. Right? It's a great vehicle to grow some retirement money in, in the case of the Roth IRA. Uh, you know, tax free on the back side of it. You got to pay taxes on the front side, but not on the back side. So. Cross collateral. So this is maybe taking the equity you have in other properties. Maybe you have three or four rental properties, 
um, that you can put up for a collateral that you can get a, um, a loan or a line of credit on um, or a equity line right, that you can use to do other deals. That's what cross-collateralization is. It's using other properties, the equity in other properties, not necessarily your primary residence, but other properties you own, um, taking the equity out, cross-collateralization. Credit cards. So you're probably thinking, well, I don't, I can't use my credit card. What I'm really talking about here are business credit cards, number one, right? Credit cards in the business. Um, you want to use credit card companies that, re that don't report to your personal um, credit. So what I mean by like, like for instance, I'll just give you an example. Chase, right? If you take if you take out a business credit card with Chase, right? So one of mine is Castle Investments LLC. So Castle Investments LLC has a Chase business credit card. Chase does not report the activity of the card to my personal credit. Now they checked my personal credit when they gave that business line out but they do not report it to my, you know, my personal credit through the credit bureaus, right? It's done with business credit. So this is helping me establish this credit. Um, just real quick, you wanna get a uh, Dun & Bradstreet score for your business, right? It's basically the, the credit system for your business. Um, and you wanna start building that business credit. Talk more about that um, in the future, but just as a note. So I'm talking about that and you can get high lines of credit like $50,000, $75,000, $100,000 of on the credit line from the credit card line. You're going to actually use there are ways to actually use that to purchase and acquire the property. Okay. Anything saying say, well, the title company is not going to charge my credit card. No, it's not. But there are systems in place where you can get that uh, using the $25,000 example from earlier. You can get that $25,000 down payment you need, right? And the closing costs, you can get that charged to that card if you want. And then maybe you've got a 0% card for a while. Maybe it's a new card and it's 0% for 12 months. So now we have, you just have those minimum payment things there, right? So anyway, don't discount, right? And I'm not saying charge up all the credit cards and get in, get in debt way over here. That's not what I'm suggesting, but I'm saying it can be used properly a good tool to do uh, business transactions with joint ventures and partnerships it's one of the things we do all the times to empire partner with our our students partner with all kinds of other investors um, companies to do that so that twenty five thousand dollar down payment that you needed to secure that solar finance loan from the example we used before you bring in a partner to do that like and and maybe you you bring in partner and I fund it for my self-directed IRA. So now again, we're combining all kinds of different strategies together in order to get the deal done, right? But joint ventures and partnerships can do that. Uh, maybe you give an equity position into the, uh, into the deal to the partner that comes in, or maybe the partner just comes in and comes out and, you know, they just get a fee for the money they bring in, right? They're just a, a credit partner, so to speak. Last one on here too is uh, life insurance, life insurance on there, really talking about whole life insurance policies. In other words, life insurance policies that have cash values, you can take that cash value, right? And you can take a loan out of that policy, right? The insurance companies allow you to loan that to yourself, or you can actually use that and put it up as collateral and take out a business line of credit with it, if that's what you want to do. 
right? Just as an example, because sometimes it might be hard to get the money in and out of life insurance and go through some hoops. Whereas if you just put it up for collateral, maybe you've got a hundred thousand dollar cash value in, in one of your whole life insurances, and then you can use that hundred thousand dollars, right? And access it much easier if you set up a, a credit line, maybe with a, you know, a local bank or something that you've done business with, or you just do it right with the insurance company. Okay. And maybe it's one of those deals where, well, I, I'm just going to take this 25,000 and close this deal. And then you, you know, when you dispose of the deal, you're going to get that $25,000 back in short order when you find a different buyer and end buyer for that and dispose of it. So it might be money in money out pretty quickly. Uh, you know, that could be a good source to fund things with, right? Good source. Also too, um, just want to, Go back again. That's not an exhaustive list of all the different uh, sources, right? Creative sources for money. It's not an exhaustive list. Just some of the key things that we've done before. Uh, just to keep in mind. Just a couple quick examples. I kind of used one as as I went through the examples, but just want to go through a couple here. So, property you want to purchase uh, has an existing mortgage in place. So, this would be a sub two deal. Seller is behind in payments and is facing possible foreclosure. It will take $20,000 to make the loan current and pay closing fees. So in other words, for you to, to get title to the property, right, through the, the title company, there's some fees there, and getting the, the loan that's in arrears, getting it up to date and current, it's going to be $20,000, okay? So the acquisition strategy here, so you have a creative acquisition strategy, that's sub two. Right, you're going to take the property subject to okay so that's the overall strategy and that requires purchase agreements with sub two and paperwork and then you need to make sure that that's all set up with the uh, the title company so that you're insured had title insurance and all that when all so, so that the transaction right is secure and insured via the title company the creative funding source. So you need $20,000 to make this deal work, right? To get this deal, you have to bring $20,000 to the table. So how are you gonna get the $20,000? That's how I, I just wanna differentiate. That's the funding source, the creative funding source. So in this particular case, we're gonna bring an equity partner in. That partner is gonna bring the $20,000 into the deal, okay? So it's your deal, it's your sub two deal. You're gonna bring a partner into it with the 20K, okay? Now, what are you going to do with the property? So now you've acquired the property. You've done a sub two deal for acquisition. You've got an equity partner in the deal that brought the 20K in. And so now, how are you going to dispose of the deal? What are you going to do with it? So what's the creative disposition strategy? Well, in this particular case, we're going to, we now, me as the new owner, is going to seller finance to an end buyer. And I'm going to do a wrap mortgage, just as an example in this case, right? I'm going to do a wrap mortgage. So what does that mean? We're going to create a new note and a new deed of trust, right? And we're going to put it over the top subject to the financing that's in place. In order to do that for a new end buyer, though, you're going to get a down payment. So that's item one. And what you want to do is make sure that that down payment, right? When you're analyzing the deal and the numbers, you want to make sure that you can get a down payment that's going to get that 20K back right off the top. Right. So maybe you just pay the equity partner off and they're out of the deal or maybe they stay in um, and they profit, you know, they profit share it's, it, it, give them a, a piece of the deal moving forward. Whatever the case may be, right, you want to get that down payment so that you get that 
we'll say that out of pocket money right back. Okay. Then you're going to arbitrage the new mortgage and the existing mortgage. What does arbitrage mean? So it basically just means you're going to uh, create monthly cash flow between the difference of the monthly payments. Okay. So let's say that the existing mortgage is at 4%. And the new mortgage you create with the send buyer is at 8%. So now there's a 4% spread between those two, right? Those two loans. And you're going to pocket that spread. And maybe that equates to $500 a month. So that $500 a month now is going to be your cash flow. Okay. And then at the end of this, so ultimately, what you want to do is you need to get that underlying subject to mortgage paid off at some point. Right. So you're going to agree, you know, to the terms of that and, and get paid out. So when you're going to make the sales price that you sold it to this end buyer higher than what all the loan balance is, there's going to be a gap there so that when that's all paid off, you're going to get a back end payment as well, too. So payment on the front end, right? Cash flow in the middle, payment on the back end. Right now, you know why we love those sub two deals so much. Sub two empire. Second example, uh, property you have from probate leads, right? You were doing some marketing and you were kind of targeting some probate leads, which is a great source of acquisitions, you know, potential leads to acquire property. The final parent had in this particular situation, the final parent had just passed away and the property uh, then passed to an only child who lives in another state and doesn't want to be bothered with the property. He just wants to sell. The property happens to be free and clear. Ah, so this is an easy one then, right? Just theoretically an easy one. The creative acquisition, acquisition strategy being you're going to do seller financing. You're going to create a promissory note and a deed of trust, right? Between you as the buyer in the seller create a funding source well there's nothing additional here interestingly enough in this particular case after you you hit it off and built so much rapport with the seller right meeting and talking with the seller about that that they didn't need any kind of down payment you're just going to to agree to a purchase price and monthly payments and that's uh that's how that deal is gonna gonna roll okay Maybe there's some closing costs in there if you want to close the deal and you have some closing costs. I didn't note that, uh, but you just pay for those out of pocket potentially. Okay. Creative disposition strategy. So this one I'll do a, a little different uh, disposition strategy on this one. We're going to do this one uh, lease with an option. So you have a, a tenant, you found a tenant in there and uh, they're interested in uh, potentially purchasing the, purchasing the property. And so you decide, okay, well, I'll do a lease and then I'll do an option agreement with them. So what does that mean? That means that upfront you get an option payment from the tenant or buyer. Now it won't be nearly as much as if it's a, you know, a down payment, if you're doing true seller financing there, but still get an option payment. So you get some money up front. All right. Then you're going to have the monthly lease payments that are, that you determine, which of course you're going to make higher than whatever your monthly payment to the seller is right on on the note you create it so let's say that's 750 dollars a month well you're going to lease it at 1250 dollars a month and so now there's that 500 dollars cash flow right i mean i know there's other costs but just an easy number is 500 dollars difference there okay 
Um, and then at some future date that you put in there, 12 months, 24 months, 18 months, whatever it might be, the option to purchase is executed by that tenant buyer, then you can, right? There are, depending on the circumstances, there are different ways. Maybe they go out and they get a traditional bank loan for you and then you're cashed out. You are just cashed out, right? So, you, you know, you agree to whatever the sales price is and they just cash you out, pay off the note, pocket the difference and rinse and repeat, right? Or when they ox, uh, execute the option, you can do, you can provide the financing to them, right? You can do a wrap on that if you want. You can do a land contract on that if you want, right? There are all kinds of different options that you might have there too. So just want to toss that one out there. So that's coupling some different creative options together there. Okay, some final thoughts. Sorry if I can click properly. <laughs> Approximately, so so that last thing is when we say, oh, well, that sounds good, but how many free and clear properties are there out there? I mean, what are we talking about here? Well, uh, the numbers vary. So just take that with a grain of salt, right? I've also seen a statistic that says 90% of all the statistics you see on the internet are completely made up and false. So like you're going to have to decide and figure it out, right? You got to do a little due diligence on, on everything anymore because you can't trust anybody to give you proper information, right? But it does seem with fair confidence that between 35 and 40% of all properties in the United States are owned free and clear. Let's say that again, 35 to 40% of all U.S. properties are owned free and clear. Do you think maybe that's a list that you want to target in your marketing? Like you can get lists of uh, free and clear properties, right? You, you can buy lists, purchase lists. You can direct mail to them. Like you can market to those lists of free and clear properties in, in your market, right? And there's a lot more than you might think there are, okay? Another item I just want to point out here, mortgage delinquency rates are rising. Right. Um, so delinquency is defined as behind three or more payments. They've missed three or more payments or they've not made full payments. Right. Um, three, uh, for three or more months in a row. That's what delinquency means. And they are rising, rising, rising. Right. It's probably not a shock with the uh, crushing inflation that's been seen around the country. Uh, looks like there's going to be mass layoffs in uh, Q1 of 2023. Right. The. Uh, the so-called tech gurus, the tech giants have already already started doing that. And they've already put notice on people uh, that that's occurring as well. So uh, just a note, just a note about that. So there's a culmination of factors occurring right now, right? At the end of 2022, as we move into 2023, there's a culmination of factors that suggest creative financing strategies are going to become more and more common. In other words, you need to have these in your toolbox, right? Don't rely on the, the, the standard system, right? The standard banks and financial institutions. They're the ones that create this economic bullshit in the first place, potentially on purpose in many instances. So create your own economy, right? Create your own notes with people, right? Not only are you helping them, you're helping yourself and you are uh, not tethered to the ups and downs of everything around you so much uh, economically. Okay. So the real question is, 
So are you ready for the opportunities coming? Right, they're coming. They're going to be going to be a lot, a lot out there coming up. So are you ready? And I just put the, the logo here, like Sub Two Empire. Right. So now you know a little about why it's Sub Two. Love Sub Two strategy. Uh, you kind of get paid when you dispose of the when you're using uh, creative disposition strategies. There you get paid three times. Uh, so we love that. So SubTwoEmpire.com. And I just wanted to highlight the item underneath that: Master Creative Financing. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to help you with. So take a look at what we have to offer uh, when you get an opportunity. And also, too, uh, you might notice scrolling on the bottom there. Uh, the thing is we have an upcoming live event. Uh, it's going to be February 2, 3, and 4. We haven't uh, started advertising or anything for that. Um, we had to reschedule it earlier. Um, just go to the event. We're, sec we're securing some... Uh, extra guest speakers to add more and more value, which is the reason we postponed that, which as you can see there, uh, sub2event.com, sub2event.com, go check that out. You can see us live and in person here in the St. Louis metro area. So with all that said, thank you very much. And we'll see you in part three coming up.